This is the Flying Field Podcast. of rcplaneviews.com and the Flying Field blog. This is episode 115, Filling Up the Box. This episode was produced the week of October 6th, 2012. Hello, modelers, and welcome to this edition of the Flying Field podcast. I'm Jim Mohan. The title of this episode is Filling Up the Box. What box, you may ask? Well, the old field box. I've been working on a number of projects lately, and I've been making use of a number of handy tools that do what tools do, that is, make things easier. I'd like to spend this episode talking a little bit about some of the tools and gadget you should have in your workshop and in your field box. Let's start with the field box itself. While the traditional RC field box, such as ones from Hobbyco or Great Plains, are still popular choices, their applicability seems to be more suited for glow or gas modelers. They have spaces for power panels and an enclosure for a hobby-sized dry cell battery. That battery can be used to power a starter or recharge a glow plug starter. There is often a shelf or cavity for a gallon jug of your favorite brand of glow fuel and room for your starter and transmitter. More often, however, the electric modeler is showing up with a toolbox converted to RC use. I've seen boxes as small as a 12-inch toolbox with an internal tray to large rolling toolboxes that fold out to form a step-style setup. These boxes can be found in the big-box hardware stores such as Lowe's or Home Depot. Another box style I'm seeing more often are hinged metal hard cases with foam inserts and tool caddies formed into the lid. I've seen these boxes grow in popularity as folks want to protect their battery chargers and transmitters from bumps and bruises when transporting them from home to the field. I got one from an online discounter for less than $20 shipped, and Harbor Freight has one on their website for just over $20. Last for this topic, another popular choice for a field toolbox is the fishing tackle department at Walmart or Bass Pro or Cabela's. Plano makes some nice tackle boxes that work well for RC purposes. I use a simple tackle box for my charging system and have seen others used as toolboxes. One of the things you've probably noticed is that despite having the tool you need, the chances are pretty good that you'll not have it with you at the field. That means you'll want doubles of some of the tools I'm about to mention. Models are filled with items that have small screws. That means you'll need a set of small, precision screwdrivers. My choice is to have a more expensive set for the workshop and a less expensive combo set for the field box. Again, using Harbor Freight as a source, they have a couple of sets that will do the job for between $4 and $10. The one I use in my field box has bits for common, Phillips, hex, and star type screws. You can't hardly work on a model without a set of hobby knives. Whether balsa or foam, you'll need to be able to make fine cuts. You can find these referred to as hobby knives or precision knives, depending where you look. The standard brand is Exacto. In fact, 
Many folks use the term X-Acto knife the same way folks sometimes call a photocopy a Xerox copy. There are, however, many folks who market these handy workshop tools. You can often find them in sets with three or more handles of various sizes and a variety of blades. The standard blade is a number 11. You'll pay about $25 for an Exacto basic set. A similar no-name set at Harbor Freight is less than five. There's an old saying that there's nothing more dangerous than a dull knife, and that really applies here. Blades are fairly cheap. Replace them often and avoid the aggravation of uneven cuts or a sliced finger. Another handy item is a needle file set. These small but long files are handy for a number of tasks. Not only can they be used to take off the sharp edge of some sheet metal, they can also take the pointy end off a screw or enlarge an opening in metal, wood, or foam. You probably won't need a set for the field box, but having one in the workshop is a must. These two can be found for under $10, sometimes way under. A small set of pliers is also a necessary component to your tool inventory. Like the screwdrivers and knives, these small pliers will also likely be called precision pliers. You can find these in sets too. Again, for under 10 bucks, they are handy to have around. They are a good candidate for doubles, both for the workshop and the field box. The final thing I'm going to mention in the hand tools category is a rotary tool. The popular brand in this category is, of course, Dremel. If you ask someone about a Dremel tool, they will likely know what you're talking about. There are other choices out there too. Again, our friends at Harbor Freight have a variable speed tool for about 30 bucks. You can also get accessory kits with dozens of additional bits and cutters for about 20. I found one such kit at my local Costco store that had my name on it. I find the cutting discs and the sanding drums the most useful. In fact, I had my rotary tool out just the other day cutting the pointy end off some screws that were holding control horns on a model I'm building. There are a couple of critical things that an electric flyer needs to have, so let's spend a moment on those. First and foremost is a watt meter. Various online power system matching tools are out there and folks on the modeling forums are happy to share their thoughts on matching motors and batteries and so on, but there just isn't any better tool for monitoring your power system than a watt meter. You can find name brand versions of these handy devices for about 55 bucks at the big online hobby stores. What's Up is one such example. If you are planning an order from Hobby King, they also have several lower price versions that display the same info. When placed in line with the battery and the ESC, the watt meter will display the voltage, amps, and watts. With this knowledge, you'll know whether you are overstressing any component in your power system, or perhaps you'll be able to identify some excess capacity that would allow for a larger or higher pitched prop. Throwing motors, ESCs, batteries, and props together and just hoping they work is silly and dangerous. If you fly electrics and don't have a watt meter, it needs to go on your Christmas list pronto. Since we're on the topic of tools for electric flyers, let me add two more. First is a nice little gadget from Hobby King called the Battery Medic. This little guy allows you to connect up to six cell batteries through their balance tabs. Once connected, you can see the voltage of each cell on the large screen. You can use the Battery Medic to either balance or discharge your cells. The balancing part 
is probably self-evident. I find the discharge function is handy when I want to set the battery to its storage voltage or lower the voltage a little on my LiPo transmitter pack to better match the voltage my transmitter is expecting. You can set the voltage you wish to discharge, but don't expect a quick result. The small resistance in the battery medic means discharging will take a while. For 13 bucks, though, it's a nice addition to the old field box. Another battery gadget I use nearly every time I'm out at the field is the Hyperion EOS Sentry Battery Checker. Similar to the battery medic, the Sentry allows me to plug a battery in after flight to see the voltage remaining in each of the cells. What I particularly like is a display that shows the battery's capacity in percent available. With this information, I can narrow down the target I set on my flight timer. So, for example, if I show 15% remaining on the battery after a 9-minute flight, I'll know to try to land at 8 minutes the next time, as I like to land with about 25% remaining. Depending on where you look, you'll probably pay about $30 for the EOS Sentry. If you're trying to squeeze the most from your LiPo batteries, the Sentry is worth the price. Now, for a little commentary on some RC-related news. If you listen to episode 114 of the Flying Field podcast, you'll remember that we finished up discussing a friend's hexacopter and the implications to modeling that these drone-type vehicles provide. Specifically, we talked about the legal impacts to privacy these little controllable camera mounts have. Related to that is the impact that first-person video has to modeling as well. As you probably know, First-person video is when the remote pilot controls his or her aircraft based on the video signal received from the aircraft. In the October AMA magazine, there is an article regarding an upcoming change to the AMA rules regarding first-person video flying. Currently, first-person video flight is not to be done without a spotter who holds the master control of a BuddyBox-enabled system. The first-person video pilot controls the plane via the trainer box, and the spotter has the responsibility to take control when safety dictates. The article suggests that some relaxation of the rules can be expected. What I found most interesting was the backstory about being lobbied by first-person video organizations to widely broaden the rules so that they could claim coverage under a community-based organization to avoid regulation by the FAA. I urge you to take a look at that article. As is often the case, technology moves faster than the accompanying ethics and law. While we all need to be careful that in our zeal to play with the latest and greatest technology, we don't inadvertently torpedo the entire hobby. Let's finish up with a tip that goes along with this whole theme of tools. The December issue of Model Airplane News has a tip about making your own custom wing bags. This is one that I've used before and it's worth repeating. Your typical big box home improvement store will have a roll of foil insulation. Reflectix is a major brand of this material. I got a roll that was about 25 feet long and 48 inches wide. I also got a couple of rolls of silver colored tape from the same manufacturer. This stuff has a lot of uses, including custom-sized sunscreens for big RVs and the like. It's like a fairly thick aluminum bubble wrap. It's really easy to make a bag or set of bags to protect your model's wings. 
roll out the foil and lay the wing on it. Depending on the size of the wing and of the foil roll you purchased, find the best fit to allow the foil to cover the wings. Don't make it a tight fit. Remember, you want the layered foil to form a pocket around the wing, so you'll need some extra space. For mine, I also allowed some extra foil at the top, so I can make a flap to cover the small end of the envelope, allowing me to slide the wings in longwise. The tip in the magazine talked about stapling the sides together. I prefer to use the silver tape for this. It matches the color of the foil and there aren't any sharp points. I used about two feet of small rope or cotton clothesline to form a handle for each bag. I tied the ends to form knots and then used the silver tape to neatly secure the ends to the wing bags. I also used Velcro strips on the flap to keep the wing envelopes closed. These wing bags are certainly aren't the custom fabric ones that you can buy with your name embroidered on them, but if you tend to be utilitarian like me, they work fine and are a very reasonably priced do-it-yourself project. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Flying Field Podcast. Links to some of the products mentioned here can be found in the show notes. Look for them at www.flyingfieldblog.rcplaneviews.com. Click on the podcast category on the right side of the page. This was episode 115. Until next time, happy modeling.